Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I'll share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. You gotta win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hey, what up? Welcome in. Doug Gottlieb with an all-new all-ball. All-basketball all the time. Oh, yeah. Now we're a couple games into the NBA playoffs. Uh, Quick uh, promotional note. Uh, The Doug Gottlieb Show is available. Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio app, 12 to 3 uh, Pacific Coast time, 3 to 6 Eastern time. Um, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of bang, 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 bang thoughts. And then what I will do is we'll get to uh, the NBA draft and the NBA draft lottery. Okay, so look, um, in regards to the NBA's ratings being down, I think 40% year-to-year in terms of playoffs last year to playoffs this year on ESPN, um, one of the things that the NFL has maintained for the most part is the integrity of their calendar, right? Now, Thursday obviously has changed that, but there's a certain selectivity to when NFL games are on. And what I think the NBA is experiencing now is the same thing they've experienced in the regular season with the ratings since the new TV deal came in, which is just, it's just too much. We went from not having any live sports to there's not, doesn't seem to be a moment where there's an NBA game that's not on, you know? So I, I truly believe this. This is my true belief that um, there are portions of a bunch of different stories which have caused the NBA's ratings to be down. The primary of which, the biggest of which is, I think there's just a lot of games on. There's not an importance to it. You can't tell regular season to postseason. You know, we now have baseball on all the time, and it just becomes background noise. It's become a little bit of what, a little bit of what baseball has has always been for me in the summer, which is, or golf, right? You leave it on, you come in, you go out, you don't really pay attention to it, and then you watch in key moments. And I think there's a, that, that's a good portion of it. 
I also believe that, look, you don't have a couple of the best players and most watchable. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving aren't playing for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, I understand that KD is coming back from a catastrophic injury. He will have missed more time with this injury than any other star player has ever missed with an Achilles tendon. And that would have been the same case even if he played in the bubble. So this idea that he's not ready, he may not have been himself, but he absolutely was ready to play. He was already working out and playing. Um, and then, you know, Kyrie Irving. So th- the first portion is, let me give credit to Adam Silver because the bubble has gone off relatively without a hitch. There obviously are some pitfalls to it, which I said you would see coming, which is, you know, guys in this environment for two, three months, you're not always going to get optimum performance out of them. And that's happened. It's happened, and probably on some level gets worse. There'll be some atrophy in terms of uh, of some of their mental muscles because you're just now. There's been a positive to it, and that it does feel like there's better chemistry with these teams than there's ever been. But in the mistakes that Adam Silver has made, being a players' commissioner, I think you know not working behind the scenes to, for example, get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to play that hurts the league. Of, of the 10 most recognizable stars to play on a team which is based in New York City and offered to not play. I mean, look, DeAndre Jordan had COVID, but he would have been recovered in time. Obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie went through a lot. <clears throat> but the idea that Brooklyn and their top players opted out, that hurts you. Then you have Golden State that has uh, at least one, if not the most popular, well-liked, beloved player in the game in Steph Curry. Plus, they have the championship credo. And I understand that they didn't belong in the bubble, that you, the 22 teams was about just about right. But I'm talking about the reality of why the ratings are down, which is, like, look, you have no KD, no Kyrie, no Steph, no Clay, no Draymond. Right? And then you do have a lot of player movement where it does become really hard to... Wait, Westbrook's on the Rockets, but also, by the way, isn't playing in the playoffs... And and LeBron, it still hasn't clicked yet in terms of L.A. I don't know. I, I just, um, I think Zion was a disappointment. Like, what is the reason for watching Eastern Conference basketball in the playoffs? There, there isn't much. There isn't much. I, I think we're all in awe of the talent and the spectacle that is Giannis. But he's just not, he's not yet as refined as KD. And he's not the name of some of these other American-born stars. So I, I think I, I think the Eastern Conference continuing to not really have many storylines that are good ones worth sharing. The, the Lakers thing hasn't hit, hasn't become a thing. You know, one of your best teams, your favorite by many people to win it is the Clippers, which is just has no national following. Let's like, in addition to Kawhi being silent for so many years and. Paul George switching teams, it's the Clippers. No one really grew up a Clippers fan. So you have these things kind of working against you, if you will. And then, look, I think at least a portion of it is the league's, um, is the league's embrace of uh, the social justice warriors and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I, I don't, like, I'm not personally offended in any way. But I would guess that if you did studies, and some people would inflate it, there'd be plenty of people like, I, I wasn't watching the NBA because they had Black Lives Matter. Like, well, were you at, were you going to watch the NBA beforehand? The answer is probably no. But but still, like you, you, when you run the risk when you align politically, no matter how good a cause, 
you know, in terms of sincere your intentions are, it becomes divisive because it's politics. And whether or not you agree with the BLM movement or just the statement of Black Lives Matter, which I think everybody, like, you know, who's, who's going to argue that? No one. Or no one should argue. Uh, I, th- I think what's, be- what's happened is, and some of it is smart positioning by the other side, which is if you say Black Lives Matter, you somehow align with the movement, which, all right, what portion of the movement? Do you go by the statement, you know, on the website or just the idea that social justice reform is needed and that police brutality has been a problem for far too long for minorities, right? Like there's a, it's so complex that when we get into the, but that's not what happens, right? A political statement is made, sides are drawn, and I'm sure at least a portion of people are like, I'm never watching the NBA again. And you can say good riddance if you're an NBA player. But that it's it's a lot like when you do national radio, like we all or a, a podcast, we, we all want to speak our minds and have our opinions and understand that if your opinion comes from a place that that's not based upon hate in any way, it's just how you feel and you're not violating anybody else's rights like you, you want to be supported for for your opinion. But the reality is some opinions, especially when they become political or politicized, are so divisive that you run the risk of losing a good portion of your audience. That's always been like, look, that's what happened to the Dixie Chicks. That's what happened to the Dixie Chicks. So I don't know how I I would love to see a study on what portion of people who previously watched the NBA aren't watching the NBA this year and politics are legitimately a reason why when I think a lot of it is talk or a lot of it is people that weren't watching the NBA anyway saying it. But I, I do believe that even the blindest of blind men could see that it in the litany of things that could play a factor as to why the NBA isn't rating as well, the embrace of the Black Lives Matter movement and the politicized kind of league being to the left, I would I would guess hurts it. I would I would guess it absolutely hurts it. I don't think that's a unreasonable guess or guesstimation as to what exactly is going on. All right, let me give you a couple thoughts on on some of these teams. Let's start with the Lakers. So the Lakers in back-to-back games have held the Portland Trailblazers to 100 and then 88 points. And there's been a lot of talk about Anthony Davis, who's great in Game 2 after being disappointed in Game 1, or LeBron James. And we can get into that discussion. But the most important thing is, what what I learned about professional basketball, and I was, I was told it, but you have to like learn it to know it. And it's the, it's the expression that pros do what they do best. Okay? They do what they do best, whereas amateurs try to prove to you that they can do what you say they cannot. Now, that's the difference. You know, an, uh, a true pro will, if, if all he shoots is corner threes, always going to shoot his corner threes. If if you know, Sedale Threet was a scoring guard in the NBA, and I'll never forget that Sedale Threet, and you have to go back and look at analytics, but he if he went left, he would almost always dribble his left hand before he would shoot a pull-up jump shot. If he went left, it felt like a 70% shot. He went right, felt like a 30% shot. So you know what Sedale Threet always would find a way to do? Dribble that left hand before he'd shoot. Tony Parker, same thing. Watch him when he makes a move to the right. He would always bring that ball back in one dribble with the left, and it would help his shooting percentage. Pros do what they do best. Well, what do the Lakers do best? Defend. I I I, I hear you on wanting to play 
Um, you know, wanting to play J.R. Smith who hit three threes. You know, wanting to play some of the other guys in terms of getting some more offense. Deion Waiters, for example. But the L.A. Lakers became the one seed in the West based upon their defense, and that has not let them down in either game. 100 points for the Trailblazers, considering how high-powered they are. That's outstanding. 88's even better. Um, but, the, you know, the big question is, can the Lakers still score when they have their defensive lineup out there? Last night, the answer was yes. Anthony Davis decided, I'm just going to take over, and Nurkic can't guard me. But that hasn't always been the case, and that's one of the things that gives you pause as they head deeper in the playoffs. I thought the Houston Rockets have, we talked about cohesion. Maybe it's because James Harden can't go to a strip club. You know, maybe it's because they don't have Russell Westbrook, and yet he's trying to lead, but not having one of your stars gives greater opportunities to all the bench guys that are normally behind him and and James Harden. But whatever it is, they seem to be playing hard, tough, smart, and winning games in the the bubble, specifically in the playoffs. Um, The L.A. Clippers, I would guess that their biggest issue, again, this is by my estimation, their biggest issue is I don't think they should have traded for Reggie Jackson. I think they should have. I have no problem with them, you know, getting another guard, especially when they acquired Reggie Jackson. They had all kinds of other injuries in their in their film room. Now everybody is, for the guards' perspective, everybody is healthy, so that shouldn't be an excuse for 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 stashing some guys away. But I do think it's really interesting that we're talking about a team that has acquired Reggie Jackson, and now it's like. All he knows how to do is score. He doesn't know how to run a team. And then you have Landry Shamit, who's coming off of COVID, but can really shoot and I think is a better defender than Reggie and doesn't have the ego of Reggie. Doesn't have the experience either, but he's never been scared. Like I think the Reggie Jackson thing really screwed him up. In a team that's trying to find chemistry, you screwed up the chemistry even worse. And, and then you got the Milwaukee Bucks, who are fascinating, right? Um, obviously, they were great the second game against Orlando, terrible the first game against Orlando. But the big thing is, have people figured out how to guard Giannis? Well, not last night if you're Orlando, where you just give him so much space. But you have to get to his body, you have to get to him early, and then in the half court, you got to hope that he settles for jump shots. And sometimes you want him to make one early. I would... I'll, I'll say this. Look, I don't think... I think the Lamar Jackson comparison is a good one just because they're such freakish athletes. They take over in the regular season, but the postseason as a quarterback, you got to be able to throw. And, and you know, you're talking about 35, 40 times a game, leave a team from behind. The same thing is true in basketball as as he tries to replace, you know, Tim Duncan. And I just don't see that happening. I don't see a, a trade happening. I'm not sure... Tr- I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. Um but I, I look at I look at the Bucks and I think to myself, as much as Giannis is not yet refined enough to maybe win this thing on his own, I have a hard time thinking that Brooke Lopez is good enough at what he does. As a three point shooting big, also a bit of a rim protector, rebounder, like he's just not he's not a great three point shooter. He's not a great rebounder. He's not a great rim protector. He's good at all these things, and he can also score with his back to the basket, but he doesn't do so often, and he would get in their way. I just, I'm not sure if that's a good, as, as much as we say great things about the Clippers, how good is their lineup actually? Right? Lou Williams would come off the bench for whomever is in the playoffs because he can't guard, he takes crazy shots, 
and he he's this is a role which he's embraced. You can like Lou Will, which I do, but also be real about what his skill set entails. Um, they they don't have a great inside game. Montrez Harrell is a a good finisher, but he's not a great rebounder or shot block or whatever. Just a high energy guy. So th- this is me telling you I do think that they're beatable, even if they're not the one seed. I I do I really think they're beatable. And I think that Giannis's flaws in that if you can keep him out of the lane and you can make some of the other players beat you, they just don't have the ability to beat you on their own. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Uh, let me welcome in uh, Jason McIntyre. Of course, uh, J-Mac has the Straight Fire podcast, which is available on the iHeartRadio app every day. Hot news topic of the day. Of course, he's the founder of The Big Lead. All right, J-Mac, a bunch of things to hit you with. Let me start with the Lakers. Um, I said, look, they're built on defense, and 100 points allowed in the first game, 88 yesterday. Were you more impressed by Anthony Davis or by their defense? Uh, I'm going to lean on the defense. You're right, Doug. They gave up 36 points in the first quarter of game one. And yesterday in the first half, okay, they gave up 39 points. I mean, they locked in. Damian Lillard had no room to operate. And let's be real, Portland, which has looked good in the bubble offensively, essentially had two guys. You know, Carmelo Anthony looked like the washed 30-whatever-year-old superstar he is. And it was basically Lillard and CJ. And when they were not available... Portland had nothing to do. Lakers defense was phenomenal, but props to Anthony Davis as well. You notice he didn't fade away, Doug. He didn't settle for the jumper. He attacked the rim relentlessly. Just an all-around great performance. Listen, this is why I predicted the Lakers would sweep Portland. Uh, Not that garbage effort in Game 1. Okay, Uh, let's go to the Clippers, who will play tonight. Uh, How big a buyer? Like, Do you think they're in trouble here in a series, which is 1-1, but very easily they could be down 0-2? Yeah, no, I'm with you. It could be O2. And I just, I'm curious as to the state of mind of Paul George. You never want to read too much, but I'm sure you saw his Instagram. He posted, like, what the bleep is everybody talking about? Stop coming after me. He was four for 17 in game, you know, in game two. He did not look good at all. And he couldn't guard Luka, couldn't stay in front of the 21 year old. I think he'll be locked in. I would assume Kawhi Leonard will be up to the challenge. If they're not. Uh, this could be a series that goes six or seven, like everybody thought Portland would take the Lakers. Maybe Dallas is live in this and uh, has a, has a shot because Luka's just unguardable right now. Uh, okay, uh, I was impressed by Houston. I saw some big time defense being played. I, I also am realistic they're playing against a really young Oklahoma City team um, that that kind of collectively you know shit the bed uh, when it got to the fourth quarter and they had a lead. Dennis Schroeder trying to go one on one, and they just don't have enough offense if Chris Paul can't get a step. But I wasn't. I I would. I'd be lying if I didn't say I was super impressed. Um, should I be? You know, it, Robert Covington is is a guy who is really coveted in this league. One of these three and D characters who who could kill you on the wing and then lock you down. But you're right. I think they had eight steals. In game two, James Harden actually playing defense again against uh, Gallinari, which is which is one thing. Let me see them do that in the next round against LeBron. Let me see them do that against Anthony Davis, and I'll be impressed. But they do look like a problem right now, Doug. I do wonder. Okay, they look so good in these two games without Russell Westbrook. We know he's a ball dominant mid range shooter. I just wonder what's going to be their state of mind when he comes back. Is he going to upset the apple cart? 
We know Harden has not really worked with everyone. We know Russ had his issues with Paul George and Kevin Durant, who was the superstar. Uh, I'm curious as to whether or not they take a step back when Russ returns. Mm, mm. Okay, NBA draft lottery last night. If you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, what do you do? I go Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard out of Georgia. I know people are going to push LaMelo Ball. You may even push LaMelo Ball. No. But I I think D'Angelo Russell and LaMelo Ball would fight, uh, you know, if that were the backcourt in the preseason. And it would carry over into the season. I don't think that would work for LaMelo Ball. He's the big story at the draft. I think it's a match made in heaven with him and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, uh, LaVar Ball, uh, LaMelo. I mean, this is, you know, you know the uh, Hornets need to sell tickets badly. And you know their backcourt is a couple dogs, right? Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier. Those guys, they're not willing to give up positions easily. I think LaMelo fits third. I can't see him operating in the Golden State Warriors system. Um, you know, I, I mean, maybe they take a chance on him and say, hey, let's go ultra small with really three guards. Andrew Wiggins is a four. But I, I, I don't know if Steve, Carr's, Steve Kerr's ready to go that radical. But I have Anthony Edwards going one. They'd have a decent nucleus, right? Edwards, Cat, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and Malik Beasley. Remember, they got him in the trade with Denver. He's a nice young shooter. You're going Malik Beasley on me. That's that's really the kind of the game changer. I, I'm <laughs> I, I'm with you on Lamelo. Like, look, I I actually think he could be good with the Warriors as a developmental guy because he really likes to pass. And and their culture of working on your game and your shooting could only really help him. But I I also think that you the gist that you get is hey they they want to win in the next kind of three years, and that's the thing about the draft. Most drafts guys aren't going to help you for three years, and then this draft guys are are you know very far away. Um, yeah. Even after those top three, um, even after those top, especially after those top three fr- from helping you right away. Okay. Um, Last thing, Milwaukee Bucks dominate the Orlando Magic. Um, are we good now? Are we all set? That's just the Bucks with one stinker? Or was game one a sign of things to come? No, I think they're fine with Orlando, Doug. But I do, if you look at Chris Middleton, I mean, he was like one for eight shooting. He's now shooting, I believe, 20% from the field in this series. Like, this is a problem. If he's your number two guy. Okay, and the next round, you're going to be facing a Miami team that has a lot of offense. I don't know about you, but I, I'm just over the top on Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Buckets. I like this Miami Heat team a lot. Uh, Milwaukee can just destroy Orlando. That's fine. But they are going to have major problems with Miami. Bam Adebayo can match up with Giannis. You know, not, nobody can stop Giannis, but he's going to get his. But Bam Adebayo is a, is a good young player defensively. And I think Miami can push or beat the Bucks in the next round. Last thing, why do you think the ratings are down for the NBA playoffs? Oh, this is you can't you can't this can't make this a last one. Uh, you know it doesn't help that markets in the East, New York, uh, obviously Chicago in the Midwest, L.A. Before LeBron got there was pretty awful. For yeah, wait, wait, hold on, but but New York was not in the playoffs last year. Chicago was not in the playoffs last year. Year to year, down forty percent on ESPN. Why do you think that is? I, 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 I listen. It's a confluence of events. It's not one thing. People uh, going more to watch politics as America is in trouble. Uh, you know, uh, obviously the social issues don't always help. But uh, again, I, f- I just find it hard to believe that an NBA fan who maybe plays fantasy, goes to games, gambles on games, is all of a sudden saying, eh, maybe they got Black Lives Matter on the court. I'm not watching. Like, I just, I don't buy that. Uh, I mean, maybe one or two people, but I'm not buying these jabronis on Twitter who are pushing that angle. It's a lot of factors at play. Um, and I think they'll be helped once the big markets get better. 
and uh, you know the super teams emerge once again because the ratings were great when the Warriors made that run to the finals. Must see TV. Straight Fire is the podcast. You can hear it every morning. Thanks to my good friend Jason McIntyre. J Mac, thanks for joining us on All Ball. Anytime, buddy. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Juan Gabriel. Juanquis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, my thanks to Jason McIntyre. Again, that uh, podcast is Straight Fire, which uh, you can download on a daily basis, some about 20, 30 minutes long. Uh, Jason, the founder of The Big Lead as well. Okay, so maybe a couple thoughts on the NBA draft. Look, I, I, I'm not going to hold LeVar against LaMelo, right? nor am I going to hold Lonzo against LaMelo. Um, because here, here's what we'll do. We'll say, hey, look, Lonzo was a good athlete, went to the NBA, 
got some legit strength training, became a very, very good athlete and a dynamic defender, which he wasn't at, at UCLA or in high school. They just pressed and reached and it wasn't good fundamentals or whatever. And, and so you'll say, okay, well, why can't the same thing happen to LaMelo? Okay, so if the good can happen to LaMelo, why can't the bad as well? And here's what I mean. Lonzo obviously has always shot the ball wrong side of his face and he's kind of moved it over a little bit to the middle of his head, but he still struggles with his shooting. I know we think of now part of the LaMelo thing with the shot percent field goal percentages is he takes a lot of bad shots, but he's not a great finisher and his brother's not a good finisher and he's not a very good shooter. Look at the numbers, the raw data when he played in Australia. Don't watch the highlights. Watch the actual game. Still bad shots. Shies away from contact. Not a great finisher. Doesn't want to play defense. Now, all of that skill is great. But I am yet to find an all-time great NBA player who isn't, at their core, tough-ass motherfucker, right? Like, there just doesn't exist. Tell me the guy where he's like Larry Bird is a like a like almost like a killer. You know, he walked in the three-point shooting contest. Which one of you guys finished in second? He was a trash talker. He wasn't trash. He was a shit talker, right? Magic had all smile. Magic, Isaiah Thomas. Those guys are killers. LeBron, one of the reasons that other guys in the league and former pros, you know, I had Mario Elion when I was hosting this week, who was like, man, I'm all about Jordan. It's mentality. Like, LeBron still wants to win. He's just seen as too nice. But he's he doesn't shy away from physicality. And I understand you're just a kid, but I, I just... I would caution you about LaMelo, which he does. He might lack that mentality where Anthony Edwards does not. Now, Anthony Edwards may not have the skill or the vision and may ultimately not become what LaMelo could become. But I, I think it's worthy of at least a, a bit of a discussion, right? That, that like, hey, dude, this dude is tough as hell. And the LaMelo thing, I do think he's actually helped by his brother. Like, well, you know, we were in denial of his brother. Like, his brother has not, his brother really hurt Alvin Gentry. One of the reasons Alvin Gentry got fired. Let's just kind of be honest. Um, I like Anthony Edwards because of his mentality. I don't think uh, Onyeka Ngangu, who's uh, played at USC, I don't think he's a true number one pick worthy guy, but he's like, he's going to be a starting big in the league or worst case scenario, a sixth man big in the league for 15 years. He blocks shots. He makes shots. He's got no baggage. And oh yeah, by the way, he too went to, <laughs> went to, went to Chino Hills. Um, I'm much bigger on him than, than others are. I, I would also tell you that there's there. Killian Hayes is a, a point guard who's much more skilled as a shooter, a little bit more refined, also has played pro basketball, who I actually, I don't like his vision as much as I like the vision of uh, of LaMelo Ball, but I like every other part of his game and the toughness more than I like LaMelo Ball. So somebody's going to get themselves a really, really good player. Cole Anthony has great toughness. I just, he's not a guy that people like to play with, but I do think that he'll, he's got a chance to have, at worst, at worst, an Austin Rivers type of career. At worst. Where, like, Austin Rivers is a guy that, kind of a different dude, but Austin Rivers is still an effective, off-the-bench scoring guard. That's what I think Cole Anthony can become. 
But for the LaMelo Ball people, I'm not going to hold his dad against him or his brother against him. But if you want to tell me that his brother could develop his body so LaMelo can develop his body, I'm okay with that as long as you as long as you understand that his brother hasn't developed a finishing game and hasn't is still is not a good enough shooter. And if you actually watched LaMelo play and didn't watch highlights, you'd be like, wow, he his body needs a lot of work and his shot needs a lot of development and he's lacking that toughness that the best of the best have. And if you think that they're not going to come at him, it doesn't mean that he can't do it, that he's not skilled. He's taller than his brother. He's super skilled. He has good vision. He's not not scared. He's got confidence. But he shies away from, from physicality. He doesn't play defense. And some of it's bad shots, but some of it is he's just not a good enough shooter at this point in his career. Can that be fixed as opposed to his brother, who where they've we've really struggled to find a fix for him? Uh, One last thing, and this is important. So Carmelo Anthony hit some shots in the NBA's regular season, if you will. And people said, you were all wrong about Melo. I think the answer is yes and no. Okay, we're two games into the playoffs, and Carmelo Anthony is 4 of 17 from the field. 4 of 17. Now, again, in all fairness, he had one really bad game and just an okay game. But the the point about Melo is not could he actually play basketball or could he make shots. Was he willing to accept a tertiary, tertiary or even lower role? Previously, the answer was no, not really. And then the two things that hold him back from a championship caliber team reaching out to him was one... Could he or would he guard anybody? And the answer is not really. They don't play any defense. So, you know. And two, when you're older, when you're in your mid-30s and you're past your prime, you can't bring it every night. What is the percentage of seven games in which you have your A-caliber game? And the answer is, well, we're two into a seven-game series and he hasn't had an A-caliber game yet. He had a B-minus and a D game. And, and so, if you want to ask yourself, well, why didn't the Lakers pick him up? It's reasonable. The Lakers need offense. But the Lakers built this team on defense. I think there was some concern whether or not, because they're such close friends, that, and this happened with, you know, this happened with LeBron previously, where they're really close friends, but do you want them to be such good friends that he doesn't pay any attention, like with Dwayne Wade, does he pay attention to anybody else in the team? Like, you got to be one. LeBron's already his own enterprise. He's already such a superstar, so recognizable, it's ridiculous. LeBron's already there. But to alienate him from the TV more by bringing in one of his best friends, I don't think they thought would work. And then the idea of, like, hey, can LeBron handle, or can Carmelo handle, coming off the bench, they're, they're already bringing Kyle Kuzma off the bench. The idea is that you know, you'd be eating up some of Kuzma's minutes. It just wouldn't work. But at the end of the day, the real reason that older players get passed over by teams is, one, they haven't played a role where they're coming off the bench or limited minutes, and they struggle with that role. Some of that's probably true with Carmelo. Two, you got nowadays. You have to be able, if you one through four. You got to be able to guard somebody. And if you can't, that gets exposed. And when you get to the higher level, and the playoff is a higher level, now all of those any flaw you have gets even more pronounced. 
And so to the people who shouted on the rooftops, you're wrong about Mello. No, we were right. No one said he sucked or that he couldn't play in the NBA. Can, can he help you win a playoff series or several playoff series? And the answer does not appear to be yes. Right? Zach Collins is out. He's in a boot. They can't go small and play Mello at the four because, dude, he has no shot against Anthony Davis. He has no shot against LeBron. None. None. That's just the reality of it. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. All right, Kurt Heelan joins us. Uh, he's the lead NBA writer, managing editor for NBCSports.com. Um, Kurt, coming into the playoffs, who are the two teams you thought were going to be in the finals? I had the Bucks coming out of the East and uh, the Clippers coming out of the West. And now? I'm still sticking with the Bucks, although I kind of just heard you talking. Boston, Boston always scared me. They were the team that I, if, if, if Milwaukee wasn't firing on all cylinders, I'm with you. I, I think they maybe are a player away, but I really like them, and I really like, I like versatile teams in the playoffs. I like teams that can, can get their offense in a variety of ways, can switch on defense, and that's what they, that's what Boston brings. I mean, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, I mean, now they're without Hayward for a while, which hurts. Um, but, you know, Kemba Walker and then Marcus Smart up top, like, they can throw a variety of looks at you. You mentioned really great coaching with Brad Stevens, putting those guys in the right positions. I just like the way they're constructed. They're a dangerous team. I'm just not con- – if the Bucks are defending well, they're tough. And it's, it basically comes down – Boston's going to have to nail a bunch of threes above the break. If they do that, they're in there. They can absolutely beat them. Um, uh, um, let's, let's discuss the Lakers. Do they? What holds you back about the Lakers? Just not enough offense. LeBron being a little long in the tooth. Not buying into Anthony Davis. D all of the above. Like where are you in the Lakers? I, I, it was almost a coin flip for me between the Lakers and the Clippers. Again, I went with the Clippers on paper before this started because of versatility, and I have not seen the defense from them that I saw from the Lakers in the second game of their series. I haven't. They just haven't been together enough. I would just say they haven't shown cohesion. Cohesion would imply that they were all together at some point and didn't get the chance to. They've been so banged up. Uh, and, and guys missing time, and now you know, uh, you've got Patrick Beverly missing time. The Lakers, as much as it just, it's a little bit of the island of misfit toys on paper, mm-hmm. they play for LeBron, and they play for Frank Vogel, and they play hard, and they, they've been smart about defending defense they're a long team and it really causes trouble defensively for teams and you know i at the end of the day it becomes about matchups mm-hmm. especially when you get deep in the nba playoffs it's just you know the lakers can run <laughs> it's the last five minutes of a close game i'm just running a whole lot of lebron james anthony davis pick and roll and saying good luck stop that <laughs> and i'm not sure that there's an answer for that around the league so I'm not. I am sold that they are very good. I love that their defense is back. And I'm. I mean, if I had to pick today, I'd say they're playing better than the Clippers. But I'm. I'm too stubborn to move off my pick yet. No, that's okay. I'm. I'm a little stubborn to move off my pick as well. And I know that the Clippers are playing without <laughs> Pat Beverly, who uh, is kind of their heart and soul. And I do think he makes them yeah. a little different. I don't know if, you know, I. I don't know if the Reggie Jackson thing didn't screw him up. That's what it feels like to me. Um, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not. Look, if Reggie Jackson's fine in the regular season for 15 minutes a night or something off the bench, whatever, I 
I don't want him out there in crunch time minutes of a playoff game and, and playing heavy minutes in a playoff game, and that's kind of just where the Clippers are. Uh, okay, let me let me let me ask you about uh, about the Rockets. Um, any potential for the Rockets there? Like, I I got to be honest with you, I've have been impressed not yeah. just with the defense, but also like they look like a legit team. And a lot of these teams, I think there's going to be better chemistry. They're spending more time around each other. There's less nonsense or whatever. Um, so I, I'm kind of impressed by the Rockets. I don't know if I'm impressed enough to think they can win a series, but I do think they'll be a hard out. Doug, is there any team buying into? what the coach is selling more than Houston right now. Like they, they went with just not even, you know, everybody's calling it micro ball. Cause you know, you're using PJ Tucker for large stretches at the five and Robert Covington. It's not even, not even guys who are genuinely centers. They're like, their roster has completely bought into this is what's going to happen. And this is what we need. We can make this work and this is going to be fun. They are having each other's backs. And then you got into it. They're, Look, I wasn't ever worried about them being able to score. I mean, that James Harden guy's pretty good at that. Um, he sets guys up. Like, I wasn't worried about their ability to get buckets, but the defense was always the question, and they've been – the effort has absolutely been there. They've been sharp with their rotations. They've been as physical. They've been physical. You think you can just – it's not simple. Like, oh, you know what? they got small guys out there. We'll just throw it in the post. You try to move P.J. Tucker out of the post. No, nah, good luck with that. Well, here, here's 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 the thing about so so I got a chance to coach a couple years ago in Israel in the Maccabi games, right? It's like the oh yeah yeah okay, and so um, you know it's interesting. I went over there and I had two big guys, and so we play the Israel under twenty two national team, and we're down eighteen nothing to start the game, and I'm like, holy shit, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like I thought I knew how to coach, and I didn't know what I was doing. And then I I was like, all right, hold on, we got first thing is you, you got to get off the snide. We got to score. So I took my two big guys out, and I decided to play small. And um, we, we climbed back in the game within four in the second half, and it was a scrimmage, and our best player rolled his ankle, and then I was just like, all right, let's just play everybody, whatever. But I ended up uh, playing in the play, you know, throughout the thing, and, and playing mostly small, and then adjusting to occasionally using one big guy and then two big guys and toggling my lineup. But what I learned about coaching small ball was a couple things I'd already known and a couple things that I thought and a couple things I had no idea. And I think Houston already knew all these things and is discovering, first of all, when you're smaller, you're allowed, especially in the post, you get away with a lot more defensively. You just do. Like the big guys always get called for a push-off or an elbow or whatever. For no fault of their own, they're just big. Big guys don't get the calls the way the guards do. So the first thing is you can be crazy physical when you're small. Second of all, you end up switching. A lot of times you'll switch everything when you're playing small ball. And it's really hard to run offense when you're small, when, 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 you're, when they're switching everything. It's really hard. you got to have a very well-designed desi- uh, uh, offense, and you got to be able to take advantage of the switches with rolls and post-ups and slips. And that, that, that's a very difficult thing to do. And then offensively, while you you may take more jump shots and sometimes even if you don't have a better shooting team, I always feel like you're going to shoot a better percentage because you have more guys that can naturally handle the ball and naturally make passes. And the last thing is, and this is something that Oklahoma City has fallen victim to, is you know the whole year you work on your sets and your offense and this and that, and what happens is when you have one big guy and they have Stephen Adams and they have all small guys. You become fixated on throwing the ball into low post, even though you never played that way the whole year. 
yeah. right? And you stop running offense. You stop doing anything. And oh yeah, by the way, when your big guy gets way more touches than he, Stephen Adams is getting twice, three times as many touches as he normally gets. He's exhausted. So now he's not making the shots he normally makes. And now he's not defending the way he normally defends because he's getting the ball so much more because we think he has a mismatch every time down. Those are some of the things I learned coaching small ball. Actually, that's really fascinating. And I think the the idea that you start to get out of your game plan because you want to attack or get out of what you're comfortable and best doing because you're like, oh, this is how we have to beat them gets you is what gets you in trouble, right? Like you you start to think, oh, we're going to do this. Stephen Adams, you should not be running your offense through Stephen Adams. And I, by the way, I love Stephen Adams as a player. Like I love he, he remains the best Dothraki player in the NBA. There's, there's your Game of Thrones reference. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but he's like I love I love him playing, but he's not the guy I'm running my offense through. That's no. not what he brings to the table. And then you've got these NBA players. James Harden is a really good post defender. He's strong in the lower body. You're not moving him. They've got. You've got to pick the right guys. It's not that easy to just post guys up. And then, if, again, if you're getting away from what you do, you're in trouble. I'm curious what happens to Houston when they run into teams. The Clippers like to post Kawhi. LeBron James is a beast in the post. Like There are teams that can cause them problems with those plays, but it doesn't seem to be Oklahoma City. No, I think I think Kawhi will have a field day. People forget yeah. that Kawhi, was a, he, was a, he was a center. Growing up, and he's a very refined post scorer, and those same those same matchups are not those are not good. Like James Harden's a good post defender, Kawhi Leonard's an excellent post scorer. That that could get ugly in in a hurry. Do you look any differently at, on Giannis after seeing him? That I know they they ride the ship in game two, but game one, he, some of the old warts, the missed free throws, the missed three pointers, the the lack of feeling of what to do and when to do it. We saw it once in the regular season. Does that change how you view Giannis at all? Not terribly. I, although, I, I, if if we see those same issues, if if we see then he hasn't grown, and frankly, the Bucks haven't grown, and they get bounced by the Celtics or whomever, uh, Toronto. We should we keep sleeping on Toronto. We should not be sleeping on Toronto. They're like they might be the best team in the bubble right now. Um, then I'm going to have my questions. Like at some point, I need to see it, but I'm not going to take it from just one bad first game against Orlando. And he had some rough spots in the bubble during this year. But but I'm watching. Like I am. Like did this team? Did Mike Budenholzer? Did you know? They've always went into trouble. All right, we're going to wall off Giannis. We're going to put three guys there. Are you going to beat me with Plan B? And they started to in Game Two. Um, but that's against the Magic. I, I need to see it against better teams. I need to see them adapt because they certainly didn't in Game One. Yeah, where are you with, with with Toronto? I I everybody likes them. I like them. I'm blown away by how by by what's happened with Fred Van Vliet's career. Yeah. Um, but I I also I'm also realistic in that generally in the playoffs you do need that seemingly need that alpha to kind of carry you over the threshold which they had last year. What are your thoughts on this version of Toronto? I think it's. I think I'm with you here, which is look. They're playing great defense right now. They know how to score as a team. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam has stepped up into a, a kind of a poor man's Kawhi type of role for them from last year. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry's Kyle Lowry. Yeah, their defense is just sharp. Their rotations are sharp. When it gets down to the final, four, you know, four eight four teams in the East, maybe final two teams, and I can really. The other team's good enough to take away that stuff. You know, Kawhi just got his shot. You end up needing a guy who can just go get his shot. So why the Warriors went and got Kevin Durant. At the end of the, end of the day, as good as 
as good as Steph Curry and all of them were, they needed one more guy who could just go get his shot in the half court. I'm just not sure they have that guy right now. That That is ultimately, I think, their undoing. And every time I say that, I, I've been selling them short all year, Doug, and I've been wrong all year. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to take my Spurs feel with them, which is, I'm, I, you know, I wasn't going to say the Spurs missed the playoffs until they were mathematically eliminated uh, on the last day. I'm, I'm starting to do that with Toronto. Um, okay, la- la- last thing. Um, has there ever been a less hyped draft class than this draft class? <laughs> No, I don't. Is there is there any time you like? Yeah, it's just been I. There are people are trying to make stars out of these guys, right? You're trying to make. Oh, Lamelo Ball has all. Lamelo Ball does have potential. Lamelo Ball shot might be worse than Lonzo's. <laughs> like it's it is worse than Lonzo's right now. Lonzo's just coming along. So uh, it. Uh, yeah, it, does, it, does does Lonzo hurt Lamelo? And I mean, let me. Look, I think he helps them from the Lonzo wasn't seen as a he wouldn't play he didn't play defense until yeah. he got to the NBA and he's become a really good defensive guard. Yeah. Um, and he's his body has changed and developed and he's become a really good a very good athlete. So there is that for Lamelo where he's long now and he he does lack kind of muscle tone. He doesn't seem like he's he's a great athlete. But maybe on the other hand, like he. Lonzo can't finish. Neither can Lamelo. He doesn't seem to like yeah. contact, and L- Lamelo just doesn't have. He's also didn't make a high percentage of shots. Granted, you're playing against men, but it, some of it shot selection. But some of it, as you pointed out, he's going to have to fix his shot. A- and then there's just so much he has to learn, like his his brother. Where, you know, like I don't think his brother's out of the league, but to go from the number two pick to being uh, one of the reasons Alvin Gentry gets fired is a massive drop off. I just I wonder if 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 Lonzo helps or hurts his brother. It's a good question. Lonzo is, is I think Lonzo at this point is like a solid rotation NBA player. Like I, I you know he's fine, but he certainly wasn't. And you know the worst thing that happened to him in his career might have been Magic Johnson at his press introductory press conference. You know saying oh your number we expect you to be up there on the on the with all these other retired numbers. That said, I think it hurts him. A, or I, well, I mean, I think this is what hurts him. Lonzo, for all his flaws, is a gym rat. Lonzo puts in the work. Like that's not really the question around the league. Does Lamelo? The, the real question with him, and frankly, he's not the only guy in this draft class. The, the real question is, will he put in the work, or is he just kind of the? an Instagram sensation and expects to be that way and is going to learn some hard lessons in the pros? Or is he is he going to grind like he's going to need to grind to, to maximize that potential? And where you fall on that scale is what you think of, of Lamelo. It's a great point. Well, listen, uh, I really I, I love your stuff. At uh, Of course, you can check it out at NBCSports.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Basketball Talk. Kurt, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the All Ball Podcast. And thanks for having me on, Doug. Take care of yourself and stay healthy, man. All right, it's Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer, managing editor, NBCSports.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800 3334 for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. 
I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, tune in next week. We'll, uh, uh, you know, we may get a weekend one in as well, get another pod in. But uh, I do think the Lakers are fine. I do think the Clippers will, they'll figure it out. I think Luka is a bad, he's a bad boy. But they just don't play enough defense yet. I don't, I'm not buying that Dallas can be this good offensively and that bad defensively and beat a good Clippers team. I think the Clippers will figure it out. It may take them six to do so. I think the Bucks will be okay. I offer very limited opinion on Utah and Denver. You know, I think Denver's a better team, but man, Spider Mitchell is pretty nasty, and now he gets Mike Conley back to give him a little bit of a breather. Some of it's better with him having the ball. Some of it's worse. Obviously, he learned a little bit from games one to game two. Um, and I like the Pacers in the heat. I think they can both. But I, the Celtics are still my team that can come out of the East, not name the Milwaukee Bucks. Just you have a star score in a Jason Tatum. You have versatility defensively, and I'm still a believer that I don't think Kemba is as good as Kyrie, but I think better dude. They get along better, and I will tell you this about Kemba. And maybe it's me watching him too much in college and not as much in the pros. Game on the line. I have just as much faith that Kemba can get his own shot and make a bucket as I did that Kyrie could, and I think they're two of the best in the game. So you got great coaching. You got good length, versatility. 
I like the Celtics. I still have the Celtics coming out of the East. I have the Clippers coming out of the West. But I am nervous about the Clippers because they have not shown the cohesion I thought they would show. I thought you would really enjoy both perspectives on the NBA from Jason McIntyre, Kurt Heelan, and of course mine. Uh, and, and remember to download, subscribe, and rate. Listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific. In the meantime, enjoy the playoffs. I think we'll have college basketball. We'll talk some bubble talk next week as well. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.